Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Well, the middle of the week is here, and it's time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we cover it all, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A new survey indicates there will be fewer cotton acres in Texas and across the country. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. With what's happened price-wise in recent months, it's certainly inviting to talk about soybeans in the Texas High Plains. But in terms of planting a lot more of them here, well, that's something else altogether. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you that story on Texas Ag Today. The cotton industry's first biotech trait that protects against insect damage is one step closer to final approval. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. There is a bright spot in the latest seasonal drought outlook from the National Weather Service. While drought is expected to cover all of the Panhandle and Central Texas by the end of April, there are some parts of the state that will be spared the drier than normal conditions. According to the outlook, drought is not expected to impact North Central and East Texas. The Texas Water Development Board reports it is the most optimistic seasonal outlook seen in several months. And speaking of drought, 49% of the state is now under moderate or worse drought. That is up one percentage point from a week ago. Far West Texas, the western side of the Rio Grande Valley, and West Texas are still suffering from drought, while the rest of the state is either abnormally dry or drought-free. Dairy farms in Texas produced 3.8 billion pounds of milk last quarter, enough to make roughly 380 million pounds of cheese and a whole lot of ice cream. Milk production last quarter was up 4% from the July to September quarter and is 8% higher than the same quarter last year. The average number of milk cows in Texas last quarter was 608,000 head. That's up 31,000 head from the same quarter in 2019. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a webinar on grape, berry, and fruit tree propagation from 9 a.m. to noon, February 5th. Cost is $20. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Wheat prices are now at six-year highs, with both hard and soft wheat well above the $6 level. Texas A&M Grain Marketing Specialist Mark Welch says there are production concerns around the world. You know, it's been generally dry in the southern high plains of the U.S., and then uh, also portions of southern Russia, uh, southeastern Europe. 
Uh, you know, they're a little bit dry getting their uh, crop planted. But another big concern with wheat is the fact that it's a food grain and many countries are getting nervous about maintaining enough supply to feed their people. There's expectations that Russia specifically may be like a cap or a limit on the amount of exports that they're going to allow into the global marketplace. And I think that just added a uh, another robust feature uh, to the wheat market. The most recent USDA report shows wheat acreage has increased slightly here in the U.S. this year, following an all-time record low acreage last year. Cattle feedlot numbers are showing the beef cattle industry in a steady state. The numbers in the latest USDA cattle on feed report remarkably similar to the numbers in the same report one year ago. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum. During December, there were about uh, 1.8 million head of cattle placed in feedlots, which was about uh, three-quarters of a percent above December of 2020. Uh, feedlots marketed just under 1.8 million head of cattle, which was just over 1% above year earlier, which left the number of cattle on feed on January 1st at uh, just under 12 million head, which was virtually unchanged from last year. Both the placements and marketing numbers were the second highest on record. A new survey indicates there will be fewer cotton acres here in Texas and across the country. Gary Joyner has the details. How much cotton will be planted? It's an important question for farmers and others in the cotton industry. Several surveys and reports do their best to project planting intentions. Cotton Grower Magazine recently released the findings of its annual survey. The survey was conducted in November and early December. Survey responses came from farmers, ginners, consultants, and affiliated industry sources. The survey indicates U.S. cotton farmers will plant fewer acres of cotton this year compared to last year and the same is expected in Texas. The survey estimated 6.5 million acres of cotton will be planted in our state. That's about a 2% decrease from 2020's final planting numbers. Drought in areas of the state will be a big influence on planting decisions by farmers. The survey pegged the national figure at 11.61 million acres of cotton planned for this year. That figure is 574,000 acres less than the U.S. Department of Agriculture's acreage report in June, and that report was already down 11% from 2019's totals. Cotton prices are a concern. The magazine pointed to decreased demand for cotton worldwide is partially due to the ongoing pandemic. Other factors impacting demand include reduced mill capacity, high carryover cotton stocks domestically and internationally, and continued competition with India and Brazil. Texas growers will have more planning estimates to look at in February when the National Cotton Council releases its acreage projections. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. We don't have very many soybean acres here in Texas, but with prices now above $13 a bushel, there may be talk of planting more. But will that work? James Hunt takes a look from Amarillo. Despite some fall-off recently, soybean prices are pretty high right now. But unlike what's anticipated for sorghum, David Gibson believes a soybean boom in the Texas High Plains is unlikely because we lack nearby processing plants. If we had a more local end user to take and process those acres, I could see that happening pretty easily up here. But that's been the biggest hindrance in the past, and I think it'll still hinder even in a year like this. Most of you know Gibson as executive director of Texas Corn Producers, but he is also the administrator for the Texas Soybean Association and the Texas Soybean Board. 
He says there's potential for soybean acres to go up this year elsewhere in the state, where the distance to processors is not as great. However, Gibson says although some soybeans are currently produced in our region, growers can face significant transportation costs in having to ship their beans all the way to plants in eastern Kansas. Gibson says our area did produce more beans decades ago, but along with the transportation challenge, soybeans also lost out when corn technology development brought about significantly higher yields for that crop. Back in the late 70s, we had a grower in Swisher County that set the record for the state that was something over 100 bushels per acre on soybeans. He was good at growing them, but he wound up quitting as the corn yields went up because he could make more money off of his corn than he could off the beans. But as to the future, Gibson says there are those in the industry considering building plants closer to our area, say in western Kansas. If some of those come to fruition, that could in turn really boost the potential for soybeans in the high plains. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New cotton technology is a step closer to approval. Tom Nicoletti has more. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has approved a petition from Bayer on cotton technology called Thrive On. To talk more about this, we go to John Riley. He is North American Cotton Trait Launch Lead for Bayer. And uh, John, we've visited in the past about this technology for cotton farmers. Update us on uh, what USDA has done and what this means. Tom, thank you. It's Great to be chatting with you again and have a chance to talk to your listeners about this. We are very excited by this latest announcement and the approval from the United States Department of Agriculture. This has been a long time coming. It's a part to be able to bring exciting technology to cotton growers throughout the, the cotton belt. What this means is that growers will be able to cultivate and plant, thrive on cotton, in 2021, we are working on trying to be able to get the trials to be able to showcase and demonstrate this exciting new technology to, to folks in the entire cotton industry. Now, this cotton biotech trait uh, protects against damage from key tarnished plant bug and uh, thrips species, right? Absolutely, yes. It is the industry's very first cotton biotech trait that's going to protect against feeding damage from key tarnished plant bug species and thrips pests. Thrips in Texas can be a really devastating pest early season. Just when your your listeners are needing to get their cotton crop up growing, they've got a lot of things happening. They need to be able to get that cotton crop off to a great start and uh, be able to take advantage of, of the entire growing season. This trait has shown fantastic performance and protection against thrips. We're truly excited about what it's going to be able to bring and letting growers be able to test it themselves in their own operations. Now, John, uh, for Texas cotton farmers and others across the country, uh, what's uh, the next step after this USDA approval? There's still some pending regulatory approvals that uh, have to be met. You know, the big thing we want to do is make sure that we can showcase this and let growers have a chance to experience it. We're going to be continuing to to seek regulatory approvals for some of the export markets to make sure that we keep the cotton byproducts in the U.S. and that we, you know, feed those to livestock is what's commonly done. We're working with growers to be able to identify the right growers, the right cotton gins to be able to demonstrate this and... Um, 
have a chance to show it. So we're going to continue working on this. 2021 is really about showcasing, demonstrating, and getting ready for a full launch in 2022, pending the you know, regulatory approvals and other factors. That is John Riley with Bear. He is North America's cotton trade launch lead, joining us today from St. Louis. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A Texan is helping to address a growing problem across the United States, wild pigs. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have the story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And newborn animals may require aggressive treatment to survive. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some newborn animals may require some very aggressive treatment just to survive. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Doctors Justin Lee and Leah Cohn indicate that newborn puppies commonly have four conditions that can cause major issues. And the first is hypovolemia or dehydration. Adult animals are able to conserve water in response to dehydration, but newborn puppies do not have this ability and will dehydrate rapidly if they do not get adequate water or milk to drink. Newborn animals have a much higher fluid requirement per pound than adults, so they can dehydrate quicker and given fluids if they are not drinking or nursing. Fluids can be given orally or injected. The second condition causing problems in puppies is hypothermia or low body temperature. Low body temperature leads to decreased heart rate and decreased intestinal function. And the ideal environmental temperature for neonates is 90 degrees Fahrenheit. For this reason, any puppies born in the winter must be born in a controlled climate to survive. Puppies are also susceptible to hypoglycemia or low blood sugar due to decreased ability to store glucose and the inability of the liver to produce glucose. Any disease that prevents puppies from nursing will result in hypoglycemia, which can result in permanent brain injury. Signs include lethargy, crying, decreased suckle reflex, and a limp body. Initial treatment can involve placing corn syrup in the puppy's mouth, but intravenous administration of dextrose is usually required to save these puppies. The last concern is hypoxemia or low oxygen level. And if a puppy is not breathing well, regardless of the reason, oxygen therapy by mask is recommended. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wild pigs are a growing problem here in Texas. Believe me, I know. I hit one with my truck just a couple of nights ago. A Texan is helping to address this big problem all across the U.S. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Wild Pig Wars leader, Dr. John Tomachek, has been named chair-elect of the National Wild Pig Task Force. The National Task Force was formed to act as a coordinating body to advance the science of wild pig management across the U.S. 
Dr. Tomacek, a wildlife specialist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, joins us with more. So the task force was created kind of as a, an emerging need. So the area of wild pig science, wild pig management, has been growing over the years as the wild pig problem has. And at some point, there was a desire by a few organizations, particularly USDA, to say we need a body that is, is independently acting, but helps coordinate across agencies, across states, across countries, and collates the best science, the best information, the best policy, and helps advance all of those things, right, as a scientific body, but then also helps advise and coordinate among groups. Because at that time, a lot of the efforts on pig management were very insular. So, you know, Texas was doing its thing and maybe North Carolina is doing its thing. And a few of us as scientists knew one another and we would talk and certainly USDA would talk across their agency, but nobody was really sharing things unilaterally. So the task force was created to have this overarching body to network through every organization, agency, group, you name it, from from state to federal to private to whatever it is, to bring together everybody that's interested in managing pigs to push forward in our efforts to do so. Dr. Tomacek will serve as chair-elect of the task force for a few years and then will step into the role of chair. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We're still seeing some big moves in the markets. The grain market's continuing to climb higher, and that is pushing feeder cattle much lower. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, it was another big day of swings in the markets on Tuesday as the grain markets continue to climb higher, and that in turn puts pressure on the feeder cattle market. Big losses in feeder cattle, however, live cattle continuing to climb. A couple of bullish factors in the live cattle market right now. Boxed beef has seen a big spike in prices over the last week or two, and a big snowstorm across the Midwest helping to support live cattle prices. February live cattle up 47 cents, closing at at 117 even the april up 15 at 12310 june live cattle up 65 11947 but as we mentioned those higher grain prices tend to always push feeder cattle down january feeders down 90 13565 the march down 237 14147 april feeders down a dollar 97 14427 Cash-fed cattle market mostly quiet. We did see a report of a small trade here in Texas of a thousand head. Those cattle sold at one twelve fifty, but again, that's just only a thousand head, so definitely not enough for a market trend. The feedlots hoping for more money this week. Asking prices are now up to one fifteen to one seventeen as the weather and the boxed beef prices are putting some optimism into this cash market this week. 
Boxed beef, as we mentioned, strongly higher. The choice up another 240 at 229.13. Select up 65 cents, 216.86. Let's check the auction markets now. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, selling 908 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar forty-three to two twenty a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar fifty-two to two twenty-seven. Four to five weight steers, a dollar thirty-six to a dollar eighty-five. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar seventy-three. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar twelve to a dollar thirty-six. And the heavy seven to eight hundred pounders, a dollar six to a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Slaughter cows, seventeen to fifty-five cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-six to ninety-four. Stocker cows brought four fifty to eleven hundred ahead. Now back over to the futures market, where lean hogs close mixed. February hogs down 17, 70.45. April up 32 at 76.95. Class 3 milk lower. February milk down 58 cents, 15.38 a hundredweight. The cotton market drifted lower. Not a whole lot of news in this market right now, so prices just slowly drifting lower as traders prepare for Thursday morning's USDA weekly export sales report, hoping to get some direction from that report. March cotton in the meantime down 62 points, 81.71. May cotton down 49 at 82.81. December cotton down 19 at 78.69. As we mentioned earlier, the grain market's making another big jump to the upside. Double-digit gains in both wheat and corn. July Kansas City wheat up 12 cents, 641 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 13 and three quarters, 647 and a half. March corn up 20 and three quarters, 532 and a quarter. September corn up 11 and three quarters, 470 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas up a nickel, 266. March crude oil down 24 cents, 52.53 a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 22 points, 30,937. The Nasdaq down 9 at 13,626. The S&P 500 down 5, 3,849. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.